0: Hello, it is 9 a.m. in New York, 3 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 8 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. In a 2019 McKinsey study, It was done with over 35,000 U.S. professionals with spouses or live-in partners. They found that 89% of women and 70% of men are part of a dual-career couple. In the U.K., the Working Families Report finds that 75% of couples with two children have both parents at work. Yeah, but when I look at expat circles... I just don't see those high numbers. But it makes sense, doesn't it? When we look at the research from expatresearch.com, they document that for more than 25 years, the dual career issue has been the most common cause of assignment refusal and a major factor hindering trailing spouse adjustments right? The risk for the individual is that if they do agree to relocate, they become this serial mover, and that means massive barriers to their employment, right? It's hard to get work permits, labor markets aren't very excited about, you know, translating qualifications. No one wants to hire someone who's going to leave after two to four years, and then there's language barriers, and, and, and. For the organization, When there's a dual career couple being sent, they might get nervous as well because they want to make sure that the person that they have employed has their head fully in the job and isn't the one making all the sacrifices if they have a family to raise, right? This is something I'm super passionate about, and I know it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be be dual career domestically or one person gives up their career if you move abroad. I'm so passionate about that. I've coupled with Amel DeRegi from Tandem Nomads, and we together are working on projects to help support dual career couples inevitably, right? We both believe that entrepreneurship is a way to circumvent this serial short-term employment trap or being forced to say no to life abroad. So before I welcome my very special guest today on the topic of dual career couples, be sure that you listen to the end or check out the show notes where I share more details on a free workshop that I'm doing in partnership with Tandem Nomads this week on how to find the right business idea for you. Because this could be the answer to that dual career couple dilemma you're facing. Right? We give straight up advice and truth telling on what needs to happen. To go from, okay, I've got some ideas, to a business that's viable, profitable, and portable. Okay, this is honestly something that keeps me up at night. How can I support more people to live abroad without regret? Individuals who would flourish if they could make it as a dual career couple. And I'm really curious to hear from our special guest today if it's something that keeps her up at night as well. This is all part of... The six weeks behind the scenes series that I promised you. So we are just getting started and I can't wait for you to dive in and be part of this every step of the way. It is my honor to welcome Yvonne, the World Bank Group Family Network Lead. She's a facilitator, coach, and HR professional and author of the forthcoming book, whose career, yours, mine, or ours? Yvonne, welcome to Expat Happy Hour.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Sunday. Well, I have to say, you asked the question, does it keep me up at night? I guess the answer would be yes, otherwise I wouldn't have bothered to write the book, whose career, yours, mine, or ours, Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Let me tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Um your experience is personal and professional, right? You've designed and developed workshops that support dual career families to ultimately increase the capacity for the World Bank group, right? To attract and retain talent, which is really important on the organizational level, but I know you've walked in the shoes of your clients. You've lived abroad, you've been a working professional, and you've been an accompanying spouse in locations like Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines, UK, and now the USA, right? I know you get it.
1: Yes. I mean, I do because basically my clients tell me that. You know, often when I'm talking to them, uh, they look at me and then they go, well, you know, you know, you you know what I mean, and and mm-hmm. that I think it's when it comes to working with people, it's a really a uh, powerful t- tool, or I wouldn't say tool, an asset, really, because mm-hmm. it's the power of shared experience. I mean, it's an experience that is common to us. Your experience mm-hmm. and mine is not identical because we are mm-hmm. each unique. But uh, that idea of uh, having to decide whose career it is, uh, moving from country to country, taking, you know, having a fixed time frame in a country—those sort of things—are are common to both of us, right? Mm-hmm. The, the details different. might be different,
0: right? Right. And your book title freaks me out, right? Like, whose career? Yours, mine, or ours? <laughs> because what if the answer is yours? And not mine. Right? Well, that's, that's
1: scary. Scary. The <laughs> truth. The, the truth is, you know, to, to be honest, if you look at the McKinsey numbers you brought out. Uh, how many people work before work before assignment, and how many continue to work after assignment? I think, if I re- remember my research correctly, it was fifty seven percent are still looking for jobs, and I think it's seventeen mm-hmm. percent who actually land jobs. Right, and and when when you actually look at that, I think we start. Out and I say we, and that's primarily women, and we will go uh, uh, talk about that later. I know uh, you already start with yours. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's already it's already because I, I was really struck. I, I have a, a present uh, workshop running, and we were I, I asked them all this week how many of you had conversations before you left about leaving. And nearly more than three-quarters said they did. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, there was all the frustration that they felt, and the majority of them were women, and, and women who were highly qualified. And you wonder, uh, what about the conversation then <laughs>
0: I'm just going to pop in here with an aside. After I recorded this episode with Yvonne, we joked about how maybe it should come with a warning label because some of the things that she addressed would be maybe too radical for some people. And for people who have healthy relationships, already challenging conversations. And for people who've got cracks in their relationship it could cause a split. So there you got it. There's a warning label. My invitation to you is to listen to Yvonne. And when she says it gets to the heart of the matter, just hold that space for a while and think about whether it gets to the heart of the matter for you. So there's so much I just want to dive in. But before we do, um, mm-hmm. you know, you are, you are working on this book um, around bringing the issues about dual career families to the forefront. You're also an important part of the World Bank Group Family Network. So can you help the listeners understand how did you come to do what you do now?
1: Well, actually, interestingly enough, Uh, I started doing it many, many years ago because I was so frustrated that I couldn't fulfill my career ambitions. I mean, Mm -hmm. I actually, if you can read the details in my book, uh, was actually lost the first few Mm -hmm. years after graduation. I mean, I was sort of raised to believe that, you know, you had to do very well and be successful. But I really didn't know how to be successful and successful at what? And so in the beginning, I did a lot of jobs that I was really not good at and hated every minute of it until one day uh, I actually went to see a career counselor. And I always say that was the best hundred dollars I paid in my life. Hmm. And she looked at me and she said, do you want this to happen to you again? And I said, Hmm. oh, no. She said, do you expect to move? Again, And I said, oh, yes, I, I don't think we will be in any one country for any length of time. And she actually, many years ago, said then entrepreneurship is the mm-hmm. what you should go for because you will always be in the driving seat. And to cut a long story short, if I hadn't had my own business, when we moved to the U.S., I chose not to start a new business because we were here initially. My husband came to work for the International Monetary Fund. Uh, we only were here supposed to be here for two years. Well, as you and I know, at that time, I thought, well, I can't possibly start a business. I'll take, you know, one year to get six months to get my work permit. So how, what, what else do I have left? Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: I decided to take my knowledge and my expertise in house to an organization. And that is how I landed at the World Bank.
0: Well, you're lucky because it isn't a lot of people who can get something in house. Right. And I, I don't want to, um, I, the podcast I just released, um, is about not the entrepreneurial type. And I talk about how I didn't think I was an entrepreneurial type in 2013. In fact, I told my husband flat out, I wasn't. And I really do think that it is the answer for dual, dual career couples to find security on the rotational um, life every two to four years right if one business is fixed to an organization and has the hierarchy and the fixed holidays and all that bureaucracy right and the other one is flexible entrepreneurship that that's the ideal right I do think that it is the answer. Um, of course it's not for everybody but I think a lot of people underestimate how capable they are of learning what you need to learn. To run your own business, right? I think the word entrepreneur, we think it's like, mm. I don't know, some super sleek business suit wearing person on Wall Street, right? But that's not really, <laughs> not really what it is, right?
1: I think I, I think anybody can learn, and I do like the idea of entrepreneurship, and I think you know the post-COVID world has been extremely kind to. Uh, entrepreneurs, maybe I shouldn't say post-COVID will, or the COVID Mm. experience, because Mm -hmm. now even the most resistant people uh, to remote work have been dragged into the world of virtual kicking. Right. So that immediately opens up a whole range of opportunities for uh, accompanying spouses or partners to test their expertise, expertise. I'm a great believer in uh, what um, uh, Hermione uh, Ibrera talks about career experiments and learning by doing, and that Mm -hmm. often you only know what you can do, uh, what you want to do is because you have, you learn it while you're doing it. And she talks a lot about career experiments of how Absolutely. Go with the hypothesis and you test your business and you test, do I like it? Do I, do I do all, you know, do I do X? And then you look for the data, you know, and you look at the comeback, you know, how is it landing with people? Do, are people interested? Do they want it? Is Am I answering the
0: questions that they have? So, oh, right. so I think until you try, you, you don't know. Absolutely. And some people are so stuck in their heads. They want certainty. They don't even want to try it until they know it'll be successful, but you don't know until you've actually done the work. I just wanted to point out what you've done here. You actually reframed entrepreneurship in, in these words. I don't know if you, if you did this consciously or not, but you said um, sharing expertise through remote work. You mentioned remote work and sharing expertise. I think that's a much less intimidating way to think about having your own thing abroad that generates revenue.
1: No, while I can't claim to have thought about it, it came out as I spoke. But I mean, that's the way <laughs> I—that's the way I—I I, I see this current opportunity. Actually,
0: mm-hmm. very it much is an opportunity. So. Yep, love that. So you—you you have this really important position at the World Bank because the support that you offer impacts individual's lives, it impacts someone's professional direction, and it impacts the organization. Um, can you say more about what is most important to you when it comes to this topic of dual career couples?
1: Okay, when it comes to dual, dual career couples, as you said earlier, the, the numbers show it is largely women, right? And so mm-hmm. I particularly am passionate About helping women find their voice. Because when you look at the trajectory of what happens to accompanying partner, it can be very painful because the rate of the great divorce is actually quite high. And I have seen many, many uh, uh, women who have followed their spouse, their partners, you know, 20, 25 years. And then 25 years later, you know, the marriage snaps and they, have followed, they haven't continued their career, and they're virtually, you know, are, are penniless and powerless. Mm. And you mm. know, the, the, the expat divorce is not kind to the accompanying partner, as you know that. So for me, it's helping women find their voice that, um, because I think, you know, it affects even high-achieving women who are not moving internationally, if we start off by, by people just dual career couples, we won't add the, mm-hmm. the mobility piece just yet, a, research has shown that a lot of high-achieving women are leaving because they're finding it hard to juggle career and womanhood uh, and motherhood. Mm-hmm. And basically mm-hmm. both men and women have made, the, have made the assumption that when push comes to shove, it's always the men's career that takes precedence. It is an unsaid assumption. And women buy into it too. you see, it's not just the men Sunday, the women also right. believe that
0: that's the problem. right. And the, the finances back it up, right? Often when you look at the research of what men earn versus what women earn, if you're going to go on a purely logistical or, you know, logical way, well, that, that earner is higher. Than the other person, right? Said so mm-hmm. it's often just because we know about gender discrepancies mm-hmm. of of um, professions and lots of other factors, right? Mm-hmm. That the men are often the ones who are earning more.
1: Yes, I mean, it's
0: hard to hard to argue against that, right? The money. Yes,
1: it's hard to it, 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 it's hard to argue against that. But that's why I think that a, a, the discussion between the couple is absolutely key to gender equality. So, you know, mm. in, in many ways, there's so much talk about the uh, gender equality on the organisational level. But I think gender, gender equality in, in many ways begins with you. Is that do you believe that you have the same rights within a partnership for to pursue your career? Do you or don't you? And when the, yes, the money thing does Come into it, but you need to have a discussion about it and Mm -hmm. go into it knowing, uh, yes, he's earning more. So for now, this is the way we will do it. But that's the other thing I think that I see with expect partners is that once they start on that road of becoming an accompanying partner they don't see that they can extricate themselves from it because there are different career models and you can take turn taking. Mm -hmm. And and there are many ways, if you want to continue on the career trajectory I'm talking about, not the entrepreneurship one. Okay. Okay. Of of, of saying, okay, now you lead and you take the choices because it is good for your career. And next time I do. And that what it's talking about that's how you become our but in this notion of our has to be an equal investment and you know you have the the uh and i'm totally with her uh, aviva cox who is the gender uh, um, expert and who's written a lot and she says your partner's role in your career success uh is absolutely crucial and a tr- And she's saying to high-flying women, or women in general, I would say, a truly supportive partner is key. And if you can't find one, it's better you're single.
0: I mean, I'm hearing that there has to be a mutual investment, that both are happy, right? I'm hearing that, you know, we went real fast from, like, logistically, how do we make this work, to a larger global problem, right, mm-hmm. of Of working for um, equity among genders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is important and, and absolutely has to be centered. And what's challenging with that is there's so many different cultural models in which people organize their families and the way hierarchy is seen and which roles are sort of supported within those cultural or familiar structures. It's so hard to have one way, especially, you know, within a global organization, how do you support, how do you support that? So what do you think, um, what do you think some of the mistakes are that people make when they move, they agree to move abroad for the lead assignment? I'm hearing from you already. They didn't have a conversation around. I think
1: they didn't, they do have conversations. But they don't touch the heart of the matter. And the mm-hmm. heart of the matter is career prioritization. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, the, that, that's where the rubber hit, the, hits the road. That is also where conflict and what you mentioned about cultural norms, uh, family mm-hmm. expectations, the couple dynamic, that is the hard one. Uh, that can be a very uncomfortable and difficult conversation, okay? So because of that, it requires an emotional capacity and a relationship capacity, actually, to to have that kind of decision, right? That Mm -hmm. discussion. So therefore, it's easy then to default to the finance. Because then Mm -hmm. they're thinking, well, how can you argue with this? We're going to be 30% better off. So what? there is no argument. Well, on one level, there is no argument up to a point. But what if the price of it is our relationship? What what if the price of it is my self-esteem? What if the price of it is my resentment? Or, or my anger that I'm so angry with you because you made me do it. You have, I mean, I have talked to women who have said it's taken ten to fifteen years for them to forgive their husbands, and the point of forgiveness of their husbands is usually a refrain when they understand they're actually free. And if he earns that much, they're free to, well, basically, he can bankroll their business losses. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 and they have the opportunity to choose whether they want to be, how much time they want to have their children, uh, uh, with their children. Now, if you can reframe the experience, it's fine. But research will show you if you cannot reframe your experience, you will become angry and resentful. Because the trajectory right. of a relationship where one person will not take all, the other one is going to feel deplete, at least emotionally. Wow. Without the mm-hmm. recognition, I see a lot of people who say, you know, everything's out to me. I have to pack, I have to do everything. And he just goes to work. Now, does he mm-hmm. acknowledge that? I, I wouldn't know that because, you know, I'm not in a couple's therapist. But judging from the level of frustration, I, I would say not by observation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think not doing sufficient research, I think on, on a very mundane level, uh, before getting to the deeper psychological aspect is not is insufficient in research
0: mm-hmm. right because we're not we're more than just um we're we're logical beings we are psychological beings we are emotional beings right so our financial needs need to be met but also our psychological needs our relational needs all of those things need to be met. And I think that's, that is why then the argument of finance isn't enough. That's, that's my answer to that. Um, you've brought out some really important topics about resentment and, self, and self-esteem. I, I work with a lot of people through a program called Year of Transformation. And um, oftentimes women have been on this road for 12 years, 15 years, and they are really resentful. And it's like the last ditch effort before they say enough, either with expat life or maybe even their relationship because they feel like they've sacrificed so much. So in terms of um, of finances, whenever, whenever a couple talks about the investment for something like that to turn around their resentment, I always say that a divorce is a lot more expensive. <laughs> or repatriation, right? Like these are things... We we are, we need to acknowledge that we're psychological and emotional beings, and it's not just an Excel sh- spreadsheet that is going to be compelling for us in two years and five years and 12 years, right? You know, you've given us some ideas from an individual or a couple perspective. Um, I'm curious what you think organizations are getting wrong when it comes to sending families abroad.
1: You know, I... There was a time where I could have produced a list, but I've changed my mind about this because I've decided on thinking and looking at the research and things that there is no simple answer. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I don't think organisations get it all wrong, but I don't think they get it quite right either. Mm -hmm. And I think it lies with the fact that there is – the real success factor is really out of their control, which is the partner.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: If I'm obligated to you as the employee, I can give you support. I can, But if these conversations don't happen, which are deeply personal, which is not the role of the organization, no matter what help I might give you, it helps a little, you know, might grease it along. But it doesn't actually get get to the heart of it,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. I think there are certain things organizations can do, for instance, is to try to accommodate in their talent, talent management, for instance. But then it also requires the employee to be proactive to say, you know, where do you see my career going? And if it requires rotation, these are the rotations I will do. Or I would like to come back to headquarters or or Mm go to a third country. I think a third country where you can recalibrate, where there are no restrictions for both partners is very important If, if you want to continue your career trajectory, if you're not in business. Because if you think, I can say I can study, right? Mm -hmm. I can go to a country for for discussion's sake where my husband's company needs him. I can study for three years, but the next assignment has to be somewhere where I can work because then I can't study for six years because then I become unemployable. I I just become a, a, a forever student.
0: I would also really be interested for those who are listening, if you know of people who are doing cutting edge work on supporting this, I'd love to hear from them and have a conversation online and offline about this because I think it's really important. And what's so interesting is you talk about the heart of the matter. You also talk about it. It goes to gender equality. But I think, you know, as Ruth Bader
1: Ginsburg said, women will have achieved true equality when men share with them the responsibility of bringing up the next generation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think that is true. Because when you think of who is not giving up work, high-achieving women are giving up giving up their work. Why? Because they can't manage a high-flying job and being mothers. When you look at expatriation, you look at rotations, who is the bulk of the uh, accompanying spouses? Women.
0: I think it's really interesting. That's one of the things, I, I, I kicked off um, this series, you know, series four of Expat um, Happy Hour with uh, Gertrude a uh, regular, and we talked about expat women on lead assignments in episode one fifty seven. Really saying, mm-hmm. hey, let's let's shed light on the women who are doing it. They're, and my, I have some very personal friends who are um, the women of the lead assignment, and the men are the ones who are picking up the other activities, you know, that need to go mm-hmm. on in real life while yeah. doing their own careers. And it's and it works, and it's amazing, and they've got really equitable relationships and. Um, it is so possible, but the visibility isn't there. So that's I think that's important too um, for, for men and women to think, let's put this person forward. We need to also increase the visibility of women who are on assignments abroad and are successful and are enjoying the balance of, of motherhood and um, leadership and all of that. If we don't see it, we can't become it.
1: Yes, I, I agree. There are success stories. There are. And I, and I know some of them. Hugely, hugely successful. But when you look at that, there is one commonality. And sorry to go back hopping into it, is that they are equally supportive of each other's careers. Mm-hmm. Right. And they are more than happy, the, the men, uh, to support the 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 women
0: in it yep right so you have you've really um I don't know if I want to say surprise me today but you're going a level of depth further than I anticipated and there's a couple times that you said to the heart of the matter I think that's what you've done really well here today is is helping us not just look at dual career couples pragmatically you know like you said um, turn-taking and entrepreneurship, et cetera, but you're saying, oh, no, 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 <laughs> we got to go way deeper than that, and like you said, get to the heart of the matter around um, gender parity and career prioritization, so thank you for putting that on our radar today. Um, I think that's really important to, to, to share, and I can't wait to hear from others in the community who are going to chime in on on what they're seeing. It's a huge invitation for couples who want to explore dual career options to have those those tough but really critical conversations. Would you like to leave us with any last words uh, based on your experience personally and within organizations for dual career couples?
1: If you look at the common pattern of successful couples here, Michelle and Barack Obama on their marriage, on their wedding uh, evening in this documentary on CNN last night, uh, there was a photo of their wedding and said they, their future, our future was unknown, but we would step in it together. And I think that in many ways captures our expat life. We don't know where the next rotation will be. And with COVID, I think it's realized that we are living in the unknown. You've got to plan for the unknown. But I think what you need to know, or you need to agree that you're going to be stepping in it together. That's what I would say. Mm
0: -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for joining us today. It's been been eye-opening, and we've gone deeper and further than I had expected, and I love it. I love that we're talking about the heart of the matter. I love that we're talking about the invitation of going through that unknown path, but together, more balanced. Um, And that's where we do have power as dual career couples. If we start within the couple and then can advocate for our needs with the organization. Thank you very much for joining us on Expat Happy Hour. Thank you for having me. Such fresh insight from Yvonne. And I'm definitely taking away a lot from today's session, and I've enjoyed how we've meandered um, in and out of very pragmatic ideas to things that definitely get to the heart of the matter. And as I mentioned at the top of this show, I am so passionate about helping accompanying partners find their way when they are abroad. If they are living the life with someone else who has a lead assignment, what can you do so that you can be all in. And as I said, finding the right business idea might be what you're looking for, right? So if you haven't already signed up, don't miss a workshop that I'll be offering with Amel Reggie from Tandem Nomads. It is how to find the right business idea for you. Because if you have that right business idea, maybe it's that thing that will help you work remotely and share your expertise no matter where you are. So don't miss out. This is not your typical webinar. We can't wait to see you there. So go ahead and go in the show notes and sign up. And if you miss this, then let me know because I've got even more in store. All right, you've been listening to Expat Happy Hour. I will leave you with a quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If you have a caring life partner, you help the other person when that person needs it. I had a life partner who thought my work was as important as his, and I think that made all the difference for me. My wish for you is that you can partner in your life if you're looking to have a dual career life abroad so that it makes a difference for both of you.